Welcome to No Romance Without Finance, the show for women who know that while love don't cost a thing, it also doesn't pay the bills. I am your host, Patty Asai. The intention behind this podcast is to honor my mother. Due to her lack of financial independence, she was stuck in a mentally abusive relationship and saw no way out. And in the process, she lost herself, her self-esteem, and eventually her life. After her death, I made it my mission to do everything in my power to make sure not another woman suffers like my mother did because she can't support herself financially. So whether you're dating, married, somewhere outside or in between, this show will give you tools and nuggets of knowledge that you can implement immediately, which will help you manage your money, grow your career and create a fulfilling independent life. Let's get into it and find out why there is no romance without finance. Welcome back to No Romance Without Finance. We have an incredible guest today. I'm so excited to have our guest because she's actually a professional in relationships. And if you haven't heard of her, you've been under a rock. Her name is Dr. Jan Mann. She is one of the most well-recognized psychotherapists in the country. She's most known as the host and therapist for VH1's longstanding hit shows, Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen and Family Therapy with Dr. Jen. She has appeared as a guest expert on hundreds of other shows, including The Today Show, Early Show, Dr. Oz, Wendy Williams. I can go on and on and on. She's been a host and a cast member on many series, including The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Shopaholic 911, Pretty Wicked, Propose or Die, I love that, Family Forensics, and Married by America. Dr. Jen is a licensed marriage, family, and child therapist and has been in private practice for almost three decades. She lives in Beverly Hills, California with her partner, Eric, and twin daughters, Quincy and Mendez. To learn more about Dr. Jen, visit her Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat at Dr. Jen Mann. Good to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Great to be here. So I want to get right into it. As you know, this podcast is called No Romance Without Finance, and it's really focused on the importance of financial independence for women in relationships. But I just want to take a step back first and ask you, I know that finances are one of the top reasons that relationships end. It's a huge stressor in relationships. Can you please explain why that's the case? Why is money something that causes breakups in relationships? Well, I think you asked me a great question. I think the whole theme of your podcast is one that is long overdue, especially for women. And for the reason that you cite, that one of the number one reasons why relationships break up is money. But I also think that, unfortunately, we raise young girls in a society of kind of the fantasy of the relationship. And, you know, as much as kind of Snow White and Cinderella is very outdated. There is still a happily ever after kind of concept. And the truth is that it is very important as women that we are savvy about money, that we pick partners who are on the same page as us financially, that we also really have a deep understanding. And I think that this is where 
most of us are lacking because sometimes you don't know until you're there of what it means to have financial disparity in your relationship and how it impacts the emotional relationship as a result. Because it's one thing to say, oh, you know what? I don't mind being the breadwinner and my spouse will not be and they'll stay at home with the kid or they will be in charge of running the household. And it's another thing to actually live that and see what resentments build up or how that feels in reality is sometimes different than how it feels in fantasy. So what is the reality of that that you've seen when someone says, okay, I'm going to be the breadwinner and the woman says, I'm going to stay at home and take take care of the kids. What are some of the realities that they're not aware of? Well, I think that the power difference, look, money is power. I'm sure I don't have to tell you. Money is power, it's independence, and it's freedom. And when you give that up, and look, there are many women in particular who have partners who do not take advantage of that, who say, you know, it doesn't matter that I earn the money, you earn the money. It is our money conjoint. I'm not making any financial decisions without you. And that's, it can work there. Mm -hmm. But I see a lot of situations in my private practice, in situations of my friends, acquaintances, where that is not the case. And when you are no longer or choose to never earn money of your own, then you are beholden to another human being. And I, I have a, 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 I had a great aunt who was way ahead of her time. And I should ask her, am I allowed to say curse words? Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> My great aunt, Tony, who was 94 years old when she dropped dead in a Chanel suit after a business meeting, always told me a woman should have fuck you money. <laughs> yes, that is the quote of and the century. A brilliant woman who was way ahead of her time. And even if you don't want to work, even if your primary focus is your household, your kids, and I say work loosely because I do believe that whatever work is done at home, raising a family, cooking food, cleaning a house, that has monetary value that is often overlooked when one person is staying home and is often taken advantage of or just not acknowledged that... It is important that you have something that is just yours. Yes. That something that allows you the freedom to leave a situation if it is not, if it no longer serves you, if it turns abusive, if it turns dangerous, if it turns just horrible, because sometimes things happen. And I've seen situations where a beautiful marriage can be destroyed by addiction, by compulsive sexual acting out. And then if you don't have the ability to leave financially, you can be stuck in a very terrible situation. And it's important to make sure that that never happens. Sure. And I think that we have been fed this fairy tale of a man is supposed to provide and protect, And that has turned into, well, I don't have to work. It's the man's job to provide for me financially. And what I think most people don't understand is where that came from. So that came from the time where women were seen as the property of a man. And just like they had to provide for their goats and their sheep and their cows, they had to provide for their women. And Women did not have the ability to have a bank account, to have a credit card or anything like that. So, or to vote. Right, or to vote. Exactly, exactly. So 
that's where that notion of providing protecting comes from. And what I see a lot of men doing is using the provide and protect as a means to be the breadwinner and thus control women. Do you see that in, in your practice? I do. I, I Unfortunately, I see it quite a bit. And I think that it's a lot of the time from the outside, it looks like a fantasy right. to many women because we've all been kind of taught that fantasy of like, oh, you know, find someone who can provide for you. And I have exactly. seen people and, and sometimes people think, oh, well, it's okay, well, that doesn't happen to people who are very financially well off. I have seen women in situations with very high income partners where they have been just as beholden to them as partners who have a lot less money Mm -hmm. and where like there's, I remember one time working with someone where she had a very, very high net worth spouse and it was expected that she provide a certain sexual service mm-hmm. every single day. Right, right. And if that did not occur, there was hell to pay. Mm-hmm. And that's an abuse of power. That's Absolutely. an abuse of financial power, emotional power, of sexual, like it, it's, of course. that's not the way relationships are supposed to be. Right. And money is just an exchange of energy right? That's all it is. Someone is giving you money in exchange for something. It is rare, if ever the case that when you're getting money and no one's getting, that person is not getting anything in return. I've never heard of a situation, even when you think that you're not giving something in return, you are giving something in, in return, right? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like that episode of Friends where where Phoebe is challenged to like do something that's completely selfless, but then she realizes every time she goes to do something selfless that there's something in it for her, even if it's just the joy of doing something right. selfless. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, yeah. I am a huge Housewives fan. Huge. And what I've noticed, and I, and I saw you comment on this, is the power dynamics change in the relationships of these housewives. And yes. can you please explain that and how that happens? Yes, it, it, it's it's a fascinating kind of look, a bubble that is very symbolic of a lot of things that happen in the real world. It's a great example of it. And what often happens, and you know, I can say this publicly because Taylor Armstrong was on my show season, I think it was season six of Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen. I was on last season with Erica, who is a client of mine, and I can only acknowledge that because yes. it's been acknowledged publicly. I would yes. never break confidentiality. A lot of the time, what happens for a lot of these women is that they go on the show and it's, it's the housewives of Beverly Hills or New Mm -hmm. York or, Mm -hmm. you know, Atlanta or wherever. And originally kind of the premise of the show was that these are women who have wealthy husbands and they are the kind of lesser spouse in some way financially. And the arm candy. Yeah, that people would tune in and be like, oh my God, I want to have that house like that, a life like that. Look, she she gets to just enjoy the fruits of her husband's labor. How wonderful. Right. But what happens when people come on this show, and we've all seen it, and maybe some of your viewers have seen it but not understood from afar what was going on, is that there's a dynamic in every relationship. Mm -hmm. 
and a power dynamic. And right. a lot of the time what happens is these women come on the show and their husband has been the primary breadwinner or the sole breadwinner. Sure. They have been the kind of supportive spouse. Mm-hmm. And even if they have a great, healthy, wonderful relationship, all of a sudden the power dynamics change. Mm-hmm. And these women who were being who are going to these dinner parties and helping their husbands shine Mm -hmm. and to look great. Suddenly the husband gets pushed out of the way and people are asking for autographs from the wife. And she has suddenly become the power in the family and now has a media spotlight on her. And it changes the dynamic in the relationship. And not every relationship is able to withstand that dramatic of a power change. So by that, do you mean that the woman now has more power than she did before? Can you explain that a little, please? Sometimes she has more power. Sometimes she had no power and now she has power. Sometimes she had some power and now she has way more. But Mm -hmm. a a lot of the time, there's a dynamic in these relations where you have these super successful guys who develop or maybe originally had a big ego that when you reach a certain level of success, people worship you. Like, like, oh my God, you're so amazing. And then all of a sudden what happens is people are worshiping her. People are like, she's amazing. I'm like, I love your show. I love your outfit. I love this. And like, and it, it is very, The moment when, and I've seen this a lot with a lot of couples where, especially in a red carpet situation, where it used to be the guy was on the red carpet and everyone was fawning over him. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden they're like, hey, could you move out of the way so we can get a picture of her in that dress? What are you wearing? Oh, Valentino. Oh, wow. And all of a sudden it changes the whole dynamic. And he's stuck holding the purse, right? He's the purse holder. First. Yes. He's holding the purse. And it takes a very strong, secure guy with a strong sense of self mm-hmm. who truly wants the best for his partner to be able to be like, yeah, I've got the fucking purse and I'm thrilled about it. She's right. finally getting her moment in the spotlight. I always knew how special and amazing she was. And now everyone knows and I'm so thrilled. Absolutely. And I think a lot of women, and I've done this in the past, will dim their own light just so the guy feels secure. Because if he's not in, if he's not secure, it cro- causes problems in the rela- relationship. It causes fights. It co- I mean, it could break yeah. down the relationship, period. So yeah. I know that I've dimmed my light in the past, and that's something that I will never, ever do again. So for yeah. women that are in that situation where the power dynamics are shifting, what do they do? Therapy. Okay. Great. <laughs> therapy Great is the you can do. Couples therapy to be able to have conversations with a neutral person who is looking out for the best interests of the relationship and both people and will help both people transition to a different dynamic. And and I've I've heard one couples therapist in particular say like couples who have healthy marriages have five different marriages within mm-hmm. their marriage. Sure. And that sure. each eat that every marriage has different seasons mm-hmm. and that there may be a season where he is the star public right. facing. And then there's another season where maybe she is the star public right. facing and being able to have someone who is a professional to help the couple negotiate those changes. Cause look in couples relationships, 
they're negotiations. I mean, I, I wrote a book called The Relationship Fix. The second sure. chapter is all about negotiation in a relationship because we all have to negotiate changes and dynamics in our relationship. So do you think that there's hope for the egocentric guy who is all about his ego, makes a lot of money? And let, let, let's be honest. I mean, I'm in finance. Men are all yeah. around me. I was in investment banking. Those, you know, type A driven men. Do you think there's hope for those guys when the power dynamics is shifting? Because a lot of those men are just refusing to even date women that are strong. So what do you think? I think that if the man wants that, then yes. I think if he marries and expects one thing, signs on for someone who is submissive, subservient, who is, is... just there to help him shine and, you know, all of that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. And then the dynamic changes dramatically mm-hmm. and he's not either invested in the relationship as a whole, invested in her well-being or really right. just want someone to let him shine. It's probably not going to work. But if he is someone who wants to grow, if he wants to have a new, exciting, healthy, new relationship with the same person, like then absolutely. To me, it's a matter of how motivated is he? Right. And it's so sad that for women, and I know it happens for men too, but it, but it's so sad for women that the second that we start shining, the second that we have success, the second that we're moving up the ladder in our workplace, that that becomes something negative in our relationships. And there's been so many studies done on this as far as, you know, really successful women and how it affects their mate and how it affects their egos. And what do we do about that, Dr. Jen? I mean, I don't know if there's a solution, but what do we as women do about that? Well, I think a few things. One is we screen well before we commit. Okay. And in Finding a partner, you want to make sure it's someone who does want to see you shine and Mm -hmm. that is prepared for seasons where he may be the star, where you may be the star, to be talking about these issues in advance, to talk about financial issues in advance, to talk about how you are going to handle, if you're going to have children together, financially, how are you going to handle that? Mm -hmm. Who's going to stay home? What does that look like? All that sort of stuff. So I think that that's one thing. But Mm -hmm. I also think that sometimes what happens is that we, and I include myself on this, type A women, Mm -hmm. that we are out there doing battle, we're kicking ass, we're having our careers, and then we come home and we've got to be careful what energy we bring home. Sure, sure. And and I say this to men as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a very successful partner. If he comes out of his office in battle mode that he's in from doing business with me, it doesn't go well. And if I come into the relationship after having a super intense session and then I'm in that kind of intense mood, it's not going to go well. Sure. Everyone's got to kind of take a, a, a like a breather and kind Mm -hmm. of transition into an energy that serves the relationship and is in the best interest of the couple. Absolutely. And I think even for me, yeah, we're in battle or work, you know, or just driven. And then sometimes when I come home, I have to check myself. And luckily my fiance is the type of guy that will say, you know what? 
you need to just calm down right now. You are being <laughs> the patty at work. This isn't work. So totally. yes. And he's very com communicative about that. But one thing right. that he understands, and, and I just want to reiterate, and Chris Rock said this, and Chris Rock yeah. just has the, the best lines and the w ways that he thinks about things is that he said, in relationships, sometimes it's like being in a band. And sometimes you have to play the tambourine. Sometimes yeah. you're the lead guitarist. Sometimes you're the lead percussionist, but totally. sometimes you have to play the tambourine. And I think that's yeah. so important for couples to understand because you can't always be the lead singer. You can't always yeah. be the lead guitarist, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and again, just different seasons call for different instruments. Sure. And sometimes you just got to play the tambourine. This podcast is brought to you by Citizens of Sound. They're the ones who make my podcast sound and look legit and not like I recorded it in my closet. They've held my hand every step of the way and helped me from A to Z. They are amazing. If you're even thinking about doing a podcast, they're the ones to call. Their contact is in my podcast description. Now back to the podcast. For women who are stay-at-home moms and who mm -hmm. want to transition into the workplace and want to be successful. How do you think they should navigate that with their husbands? Because their husband is not used to them working, right? Their husband is not used to them being powerful. How would they navigate around that just as a precursor? Well, I, look, in an ideal world, that was a discussion that happened long Ideally. before you were walked Correct. down the aisle. Sure. But if it right. didn't take place, then I think that it's important to have the conversation. And also sometimes it's hard for a partner to understand, well, why do you want to go to work? You don't have to work. Sure. Like I, I'm providing for us, like, why do you need to do that? Sure. But to help your partner understand what it means to you emotionally, what it means to your identity, mm -hmm. what it means to your self-esteem, to your sense of self-efficacy and mastery. Sure. That, that to have your partner understand what your motivation is and then how you can work together as a couple to make sure that your relationship and your family run smoothly. Right. And it is possible that maybe in the beginning, you did think that you wanted to stay home and take care of the kids. Yeah. People change, especially if you get married at a young age, right? I mean, I am not the same person. I, I am 51. I'm not the same person I was at 30. I'm not the same person as I was at 40, right? So yeah. people change. And I think there has to be room for that growth in the relationship. Absolutely. And, and also the kind of communication in the relationship where you can express it if your needs change. Right. So a lot of women are going into the workplace. We, you know, the law schools have more women than men medical schools, more women than men, and women are really finding themselves and their roles in society as not just the pretty, pretty girl, not just the homemaker, and we're really progressing. And a lot of this progress for women has men talking about our progress being equated to their demise, the demise yeah. of their masculinity the demise of their fan of the family unit. The yeah. Women are feminists and that's why there is a higher divorce rate now, which is complete bullshit. Yeah. So I want to get your take on, on that and on, on the notion that, you know, feminism quote unquote is causing men to be less masculine and the dying of the family unit. 
Look, I, I don't think that feminism is the, the cause for some kind of drop in masculinity at all. I, I think that feminism is good for everyone. And I think that most men are feminists, mm-hmm. even if they don't realize that they're feminists. Because being a feminist... Explain that, yes. Yeah, because being a feminist means equal pay for equal work. It means equal rights. And I think there are very few men who actually don't want that. Do they want their partner working? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. But you can still believe philosophically that whoever does the job should get paid the same amount regardless. So I think that, look, feminism is good for everyone. I Mm -hmm. think that when we all get paid what we deserve, when we are all treated with respect, it is good for everyone. I think that what people really need to do is to be very clear on what they want in their relationship and what those dynamics mean. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is, I remember reading an article in the LA times, and this is probably 20 years ago, maybe even longer about kind of a new trend of that. A lot of women in colleges were saying that they wanted to marry a stay at home husband. Interesting that they wanted to have a husband who did not work and be the breadwinners and have a husband who would stay home and raise children and and run the household. Wow. Which I thought was quite interesting. And I think that on the, look, on the positive side, I think the fact that there's more flexibility, and by the way, to me, that is feminism. Feminism is that Mm -hmm. we can change roles. Absolutely. That we can run things differently than our parents did or their parents did, that we can Mm -hmm. do things, we can think outside of the box. Right. And I think that there is a whole other dynamic when you have a, in a heterosexual relationship, when you've got a woman who is a bread earner and a Mm -hmm. man who is staying home, who's raising a family, that again, it's, this is what was previously uncharted territory in Mm -hmm. previous generations and what that actually means when it's played out in your personal family. And sometimes it is not, again, like the reverse, it's not necessarily the fantasy that one thought it might be. It changes the dynamic. When you date someone and both of you earn an income and then you choose to have a family together and then one person stops working Mm -hmm. to raise that family, well, it can be a great blessing and a wonderful thing. It can also, again, it changes the power in the relationship regardless of gender. And that is always an adjustment for the family. Exactly. It's so great that you said that because I have seen men that don't work and stay home and take care of the kids. Their gripes are the same exact gripes that women have when they stay home and take care of the kids. You know, for example, you know, one one guy, I I was watching a show about money and and she was working, he was staying home and he was like, yeah, you know, she makes all the decisions. She has the final say so on what happens. And, you know, what I have to say isn't weighted as much as what she has to say about the finances, where we go on vacation, what house we buy. It is the same exact thing. Yeah. And she comes home and she isn't asking me as much about my day as I am about her. She doesn't seem as interested. She seems kind of bored by what I'm talking about. And like, you know, she doesn't really appreciate all the things that I'm doing and how hard I'm working in this house to raise our kids. Right. And that's another reason I always advocate for everyone to work in a relationship, because when you come home and the only thing your significant other has to talk about is what happened with the damn kids, how boring is that? 
for anybody. Look, I think that we're all fascinated by our own kids. I think we all think our our kids are amazing, (laughs) but I think that what, what's missing in that equation is that Mm -hmm. I I think anytime male or female, we're defining ourselves by our relationships. I am husband to, I am wife to, I am mother of, I am daughter of, I think we're in trouble because then we are relying on that other person for our, our identity and our sense of self-esteem. And while all of those relationships are beautiful, right. they are wonderful. And I hope everyone who wants those relationships has those relationships. Sure. But at the end of the day, we're born alone, we die alone. It's very existential. And our sense of mastery needs mm-hmm. to come not from our relationships purely, Right. But from our own talents and capabilities and intellect and experiences, you know, I, I think that like even when you go to a party with a partner, mm-hmm. if you spend the whole time together, you don't you get as much of an experience as someone goes off and comes back and says, oh, yes. my God, I talked to this really interesting person. I want to introduce you. Yes. Then you're able to introduce each other to interesting things and people, which, by the way, the studies show that actually the novelty factor in a relationship is something that helps keep relationships alive and vibrant. That when we first mm-hmm. meet someone, that mm-hmm. what we call in psychology the novelty effect. Right. You meet someone and they say like, oh my God, I want to take you to my favorite restaurant. Oh, I've never been there. Oh, I want to try that. Or, oh, wow, I'm really into the stock market. Let me tell you all these incredible things that you may have never heard about. Oh, well, let me tell you all about, you know, the art. I work in an art gallery and let me tell you about art. Mm -hmm. And we get excited and intrigued by our partners because they teach us new, exciting things. Exactly. And it's very hard to keep that novelty effect alive when all you're talking about is raising your kids. Exactly. Exactly. And I hear so many stories about men who stray and who cheat on their wives, and I'm not giving them a pass whatsoever, but a lot of them say, we just lost our connection because we have nothing to talk about. Nothing. Yeah. Well, the the studies actually show there's a guy named M. Gary Newman who did the longest study of cheating men and cheating women. I talk about it a lot in the first chapter of my book about communication and connection in the relationship fix. And that this study is like earth shattering. And what he found shocked everybody. Okay. That when he did these this research and looked at, he started off looking at men who had cheated versus men who hadn't. Mm-hmm. And typically, the the old adage was like, "Oh, he's just some pants dropping horn dog that's just looking right. to have sex, and like right. he's not getting enough sex at home." Yes. What was found was that that was not the case. Only in seven percent of the cases did the man cheat purely for sex. Wow. 93% of the time, it was either a lack of an emotional connection or a combination of a lack of emotional and sexual connection. Yes. And on the flip side, the for the women, uh-huh. you would think the old adage is, oh, well, women don't cheat for sex. They cheat for emotional connection, right. like for relationship. Sure. Well, the women is 8%. 8% cheated oh my gosh. for sex. The other 92%, it was a lack of emotional connection and a combination of a lack of emotional and sexual connection. Wow. So what we know is that that emotional connection relationships is incredibly important. It is the mm-hmm. it is the greatest antidote that we have 
to cheating. And it's important that we invest in our relationship emotionally in yes. order to prevent that connection from dissipating. Absolutely. And what one of the ways is to have something of your own, right? To yep. have something that you can rely on for your own. And I, I, I get so many people saying in, in the comments, anytime I, I, I talk about this is when you get married, you become one. No, you don't become no. one. No, you don't have the same driver's license. You don't have the same social security card. One person can leave another person at any given time. So this yeah. bullshit of like you become one is, is disastrous. Yeah. yeah. Two halves don't make a whole. Exactly. And I think it's very important for two people to feel complete and secure in themselves before they come together, ideally. Yes. Yes. And if it's too late and you've come together and you haven't done that work, well, then get to it. Right. Well, Dr. Jen, you are my spirit animal. Everything that you said so resonates with me. I am so, so glad that we were able to speak. And my last question to you is, what would you tell your younger self about being financially independent in a relationship? Pick well when it comes to a partner. Great. That, (laughs) right? That, That just says it all. And look, I'm very grateful that I have a partner at this stage in my life who we are on the same page. He is someone who brings a lot to the table in every way whatsoever and is not only financially doing great, but also that he is someone who is always looking to grow and that we share a core philosophy of that we both believe that we have a responsibility both to ourselves and to each other to constantly be growing. Absolutely. And we women really need to pick better. We need to not think that they're choosing us, but we're choosing them as well, right? Because we're so desperate to get married or desperate to be in a relationship. So yes, picking well in the beginning, that that says it all. Dr. Jen, thank you so much for being here. We'd love to have you back. You gave us some amazing knowledge and nuggets, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Thank you to all the listeners. We are out of here. And never forget that a man is not a financial plan. (laughs) 